In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who does get a little perturbed at us, whom we get a little perturbed at, but who still gives us eternal life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Oh, if it's your first day here, if it's your first time visiting us, I hope this sermon doesn't drive you away. This job is a strange job. This job that I have of being pastor, it's, it's a little bit odd because really what I'm supposed to be doing here is I'm supposed to be telling you uh, God's will for your life and, and explaining the things out of the Bible. And, well, sometimes that's not quite so easy to do because sometimes it's a little bit politically incorrect. Sometimes it's even a little bit <laughs> offensive. And probably more than once in my tenure here at University Lutheran, in fact, hopefully more than once in my tenure here at University Lutheran, I've gotten you kind of mad at me. Because if I haven't, then I probably haven't been really speaking God's truth. Now, it's not completely related. Sometimes you can get mad at me, and it's completely my fault. (laughs) It's probably more often that way, in fact. But sometimes there's some stuff that I have to tell you that's probably going to make you mad. That's part of what I'm called to do here. It's to make you a little bit uncomfortable. A little bit unsettled. There's a long line of preachers who have done exactly that. There's this great story of this guy named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was Billy Graham before Billy Graham was Billy Graham. Billy Sunday had grown up in little Ames, Iowa, and had become this great baseball star. He was actually one of the best base runners in baseball at his time. And one day, he heard a street preacher... And he gave his life to Jesus and he said, instead of playing baseball, what I really want to do is I want to go out and I want to lead these evangelistic missions. And so he did. He went out and he started doing these crusades where he would bring in thousands of people to hear him talk about Jesus. Of course, he didn't always... Uh, He didn't always pull punches. And sometimes he let people know exactly what he was thinking. One time he was in this town, and in this town there was a real problem with labor in the town. And all of the businesses were sort of abusing their workers. And Billy Sunday let them know that. He called them on the carpet. He called them out. He got them a little bit upset, in fact so upset, that they sent him a telegram. And the telegram said, Keep to saving souls. Stop talking about business. 
rubbing fur the wrong way. And without missing a beat, Billy Sunday shot back a telegram within a few minutes of that one that said, If rubbing the fur the wrong way, tell cats to turn around. Sometimes the fur gets rubbed the wrong way. I wonder what I could say today that would rub the fur the wrong way. What I could say that would make you angry or upset, mad at me for calling you out on something where you need to turn around. I wonder. What's happening here in our gospel story? In fact, we know this gospel story sort of well. At least we know the one line from it. We, we know the prophet is without honor line. And so we probably come to this story just kind of assuming that right away when Jesus said this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing it, that right away the people turned on him and they said, well, we're, we're going to take you out and we're going to throw you off of a cliff now. But that's not really what happened. There was a little bit of an interlude between that. In fact, it even says that they were appreciating what he had to say. He had done this really strange thing where he he was supposed to read at least 21 verses. And he read only, you know, about two. And he sat down and the eyes of all were on him. But they kind of liked it. Instead of a prophet without honor, they were saying more like, look at that, it's Joseph's boy. Look at how tall he's grown. Look at how smart he sounds. And they were really sort of buttering up. I mean, had Jesus not said anything, they would have probably invited him to the synagogue potluck afterwards. Or invited him out to lunch. But no, instead, Jesus kind of sees what's happening. And he says, I realize that you're buttering me up. And the next thing that you're going to quote to me is this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. By which they meant, heal your hometown. We are you. And now we like some of those great miracles that you do. Could you turn this water into wine? Could you heal my mother of her blindness? But Jesus turns on him. And he calls him out. And he says, You know, back in the day, when there was this prophet named Elijah, God didn't send him to you people. He sent him to a widow who lived in Sidon, who lived in this Gentile land, this woman who wasn't one of you. He didn't come to you. And then later on, Elijah's predecessor, Elisha, well, 
He didn't get sent to you either. You have plenty of lepers, don't get me wrong. But he didn't heal any of your lepers. He healed this Syrian. It wasn't you. And if you connect the dots, it's because you didn't have enough faith that he wanted to do those things for you. He didn't even like you really. He was calling them out. He was calling them on the carpet about the ways that they lived their lives that weren't in accordance with His will. And there's probably some things that I could do to call you out this morning. My goal isn't to get you mad at me. It's really not. But sometimes these things have to be said. Some of you, what you know of the Bible is appalling. The stuff that you miss, the amount of time that it takes you to find Proverbs... It's like you don't even know where your Bible is at home. Baptists, they bring their Bibles to church. You're probably wondering where yours is at. That's one thing. There's some others. Some of you, you think that coming here on a Sunday is the ultimate in sacrifices that you could do for Jesus. That's not exactly right. Some of you have this overblown sense of yourself and your schedule, and it needs to be knocked down a little bit. Some of you do come here very often, and in fact, that has become a problem for you. It's become a little bit of your own personal idol. That you say, I'm the only person who does anything around here. You're not! Some of you think that all of those other churches out there, Well, you'd never really say it this way. But you think all of those other churches out there, they must be going to sort of a lesser heaven. Some of you are really worried about those other churches too. And you're not worried about the people who live in your neighborhoods that don't know Jesus. Some of you here are college students that think that the rest of us should just give you everything that we have and that we should live our life to serve you. Some of you think that and you don't even have the good excuse of being college students. I could probably go on. 
And they led him to a cliff to throw him off. But the thing is that I'm no better than any of you. Even though I'm the one who gets put up here to call out those things, call out the problems that this particular congregation has, call out the things that you personally have, there's plenty that I could call out in my own life, even some of those things that I just said. You see, the thing is that in this setting, the prophet Jesus, he's the only one with honor. The rest of us are dishonorable, dishonest even sometimes. People who try to work the loopholes to our own best interest. People who have this elevated view of ourselves. People like me. People that get angry when God points out our faults. He's the only one with any honor around here. He's the only one who is worth honoring. Every one of us knows it too. And yet, even though we're all to be dishonored, even though we're all just scum, He honored us. He broke through that crowd, not for self-preservation, but so that He could go to a cross. And on that cross, He could honor us. Knowing how deep down despicable we are, He went to that cross so that He could give us a life worthy of honor and glory. His own life that He puts onto us in our baptism, that He puts into us when we take His body and blood. That life that He spent on that cross, that life that He gave to us when He rose out of that tomb, He did all of those things so that He could honor us. So that we could be honored. That's why we're told to honor one another. It's not because the other person is so good. You know better than that. It's because the other person has Jesus in them. And you're to honor that. That's why we are going to go to heaven and we're going to be in the resurrection. We're going to be new and alive. It isn't because we're so great. It's because we have Jesus in us. And God honors that. And so every one of us here those of us who have a hard time getting to church on a Sunday, He honors us on that cross. 
those of us who have a hard time actually trusting what He says is true and that we should build our lives around it. He honors us on that cross. Those of us who felt a little bit of a twinge or a sting this morning when I mentioned some of those things, He honors you. Because He wants to honor you. Because He loves you. Because you are the people, like that widow in Zarephath, like Naaman the Syrian, who come to this altar as completely dishonorable people who are given honor by the suffering, death, and resurrection of God. And as people now who have that honor living inside of them, live your lives honorably. Give honor to others as you would give honor to Christ. And live your lives in a way realizing that Jesus, the Almighty God, has honored you. Amen.